Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. My name is Gavriel Hakoen, and I am not just here with my normal co-host, but I'm also here with a guest today. Uh, would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Well, I want to introduce our guest. I'm, I'm Sadie Carpenter. I belong here. I'm the other co-host of the Leaving <laughs> Eden podcast. Uh, but today we have with us a guest who has described herself as my biggest fan which is just fantastic because I've also described myself as her biggest fan as well. So today we have we have Heather Heath here with us to talk about all sorts of things. I'm so excited. I can't wait. This is the interview that I've been looking forward to the most. And I, do you want to tell our, our listeners what other interviews you've had or about your book? Last week, I did Dr. Oz. Wow, Dr. Oz. <laughs> I just want our yeah. listeners to know that we're more exciting than Dr. Oz. Yeah, Sadie actually watched the interview. I didn't watch the interview. Anyway, you guys may know uh, Heather as backslidden harlot from the internet. Are you what are you on TikTok? Yeah, TikTok, Instagram. I mean, I'm on Facebook, but that's my regular name. And then Twitter, it's backslidden harlot, but just BK slidden harlot. 
Heather is uh, coming on our show because she has a book to promote, uh, which we have read pieces of. I can say that this book is very good. Uh, it's very oh. funny. Um, and Heather is basically the same person as Sadie, but not. <laughs> so if you like Sadie, you should buy Heather's book. What's it called? Lovingly Abused. Lovingly uh, Abused. And it's when's it coming out? Um, the ebook just got formatted today, so that should be oh, wow. in the next week or two. I know. Uh, I keep uh, emailing the publisher, like, "What's going on? What's going on? Are we doing it yet? Come on!" And the physical copy should be. They tell me six to ten weeks. So apparently, it takes a very long time to print a book. And I wrote a lot of words and included a lot of pictures. And I'm very needy, so oh, it's taking a while. Yes, there are. I had to get my parents and my sister to sign a disclosure that I could use their pictures in the book. I don't use their names, but I use their pictures. So I just got like the, the biggest mental image of Arrested Development where Michael was trying to get his family to sign off on rights for the, the movie. Very much like the Bluths. If you guys don't know already, the Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast that's mostly about Sadie Carpenter's <laughs> life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult. We seek to educate people uh, and to inform people about this cult, other cults, religion, fundamentalism, um, you know, dangerous cult ideologies in general, and to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. Today, we're not talking about Sadie's life. We're talking about somebody else, but we might as well be talking about Sadie's life because, like, I've read this book. They're basically, I don't want to say they're basically the same person because that's... It's fair. We are. You know, I would take that as a high compliment. I don't know about you, Heather. Yeah, I'm like, hashtag goals. Yeah, if there was ever somebody, and I'm going to make a, a, a reference that all our cult fans will, our former cult fans will get, uh, if there was ever anybody that I met and I was like, oh, that's a kindred spirit, that there, here she is on the podcast. Yes. Well, oh my goodness, we is can... a thing on the outside too. Is it? Yeah, but do you know like where? Do you know what I'm referencing <clears throat> specifically? Because I know Heather does. Oh yeah, of course I do. No. Okay, explain it, this to me. It's the book Anne of Green Gables. Oh, I've read that book. Okay, that's like a big thing in the cult. Oh, so it's like they love Maria von Trapp. They love Anne of Green Gables. They love uh, John Wayne. Yeah, Anne of, Anne of Green Gables is like a little bit uh, rebellious because she's super feminist. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to read Anne of Green Gables. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's mm-hmm. heartbreaking. I had all of the Ellen Montgomery books. Uh, I was even allowed to read the Emily books. I don't know if you've read those or any of our I listeners have. I have not read the Emily books. I was allowed to read American Girl, but um, then I didn't get to finish Molly because she was a little too progressive. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you Her know, skirt even... was shorter. <laughs> I thought Kit had, like, the most uh, sinful knee showing. I grew... I uh, was too old for Kit. Oh, right. I always think, like, you're exactly my age and you're actually my husband's age just a couple years older but yeah you would have aged out just right before kit so heather was raised where where you were raised what in the iblp ati that was your thing because so we read in chapters of your book you talk about your life experience do you want to basically give us a bit of a rundown okay so i was always homeschooled um I say, you know, it's out of separation anxiety from my mother. She was like, I can't ever be away from this kid. So she discovered homeschooling. It was like, yes, this is, I can be with this kid forever. So I was homeschooled from day one, which were your parents religiously conservative or, you know, like really strict before that, or was it the homeschooling thing that really got, you know, that got them into it? It was the homeschooling thing that got the ball rolling, but I don't know if I say about um, how my parents got into everything. Um, my father's the one who's more strict in it, but it was actually my mother who got everything started. 
you know, that whole like the husband shall be won by the conversation of the wives crap. So she, uh, I don't know about that. You want to talk about that? <laughs> Sadie knows what that is. Yep. I, I'm, I'm following right along and I was like, Oh, he's not going to know what yeah. that is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that is. Cause we it's haven't talked exactly about like yet. talking to my husband. Uh, that's why I just play the podcast right. for him and we save time having conversations. So, basically the husband i'm serious i literally do that i'm like you know what just listen to this and just we can save like an hour that's that's what i'm here for that that is the best thing for me to hear you are so anyway um the husband or the you know he's supposed to be the authority he's the giant umbrella holder and everybody is subject to his authority and opinions but the wife can gently appeal and work on her husband's spirit so that he will eventually change his mind. So the husband shall be won over by the conversation of the wife. So if you're, if you're like, if you're a woman and you get caught up in the IFB or the IBLP and your husband isn't convinced. Okay. So like, you know, you know, my husband, he's not, um, not IFB. Absolutely not. Approved at all. No, Um, my husband. My husband they would is throw like throw holy water on him and, <laughs> and tell the the satans to get out of his body. But yeah, my husband yeah. is like a giant metalhead. Um great guy. Yeah, he, Jonathan. He he's fantastic, but his uh he, he his personality and aesthetic and entire ethos are just not uh IFB approved. Well, uh, if you put on a suit instead of, you know, like a, a denim jacket and metal cannibal t-shirts. corpse t-shirt yeah a cannibal corpse t-shirt then they'd probably be like you know what this is a, a very handsome young man yeah, he's, he's got the really haircut yeah, that's he's it got though. the haircut he's anyway, clean so so if i converted to the ifb or the iblp my husband obviously would not be going along with that uh, just from what you know of him the concept is that i would be a super submissive wife and live by the IFB IBLP rules at home and be a super good example and that my submissiveness and my sweet spirit would show him the power of God and that he would end up converting to the IFB as well. Is that actually yes. how it works or is it just yes. like I'm like I'm trying to That's think what, or, or does he just know. get kind of like nagged into it? I don't, I don't think like, I've yeah. ever seen this happen in real life. So Heather has. So she'll have to tell us. Yeah. You just spend a lot of time on your knees in prayer and other activities. Yeah. I was, I was looking for wow. that to come up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. They, they wow. literally teach you that. Like, oh, oh well, yeah, if like, you want something like, verbally, like exactly. yourself, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, incredibly. It's like, well, you know, use your uh, sultry ways to get what you want. Is that the words that they use? Yeah, sometimes. Your feminine Um, powers is another phrase that I've heard. Feminine powers? Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, because remember this. uh, Seduction. Yeah, because remember this is uh, his lustful uh, desires for good. Mm -hmm. It's called flirt and convert. Mm -hmm. Or or flirty fishing. mm, Flirty fishing. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Got to keep my eye out for that don't want to get trapped yeah be real careful be real careful i I feel like out here we're not that um i'm I'm not that worried about it so your so your mom gets your family into this whole iblp thing yes so she started actually uh, like both my parents went to public school she started she went to college and was finally away from home for the first time and away from um her father who was abusive but she didn't realize it because that was normal for her so she came back on a break from college and 
like my grandfather was an alcoholic and he would beat my uncle and he was just awful and there was no food in the house because he spent all his money on alcohol and whatever and he was mean. So she went to her pastor and said, hey, I need to move out and I you know, need to get out of this situation. And that pastor was like, no, you need to obey your father. And in fact, we're going to a seminar this week that Bill Gothard runs that is all about resolving youth conflicts. So she went to that seminar with uh, that pastor and his wife when she was 19. And she did everything that they said, you know, she's like, okay, well, I guess I'm unhappy because I'm not submitting to my father. And, you know, even if he is abusive, you know, that's what God wants because he's my father. And she just went all in. So and, she, wow. She, yeah. just, she got really caught up in the whole philosophy of it, it sounds like. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, and sh- so that's what they prey on, though. They prey on people who come from super traumatic backgrounds who don't want that kind of life for their kids. And they promise them a life of joy and happiness and all these young people who are just, you know, out there serving God and living life to their full purpose. And these happy families who smile and sing together all the time on paper, like who wouldn't want that? So she's okay. And she bought into it. And then she didn't know about ATI until I think I was, I don't know, seven or eight. And then it took a little while to get in because you have to like prepare yourselves and get your life together so that you'll be accepted. Yeah, there's a whole application process. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had to do a few spiritual cleanses before we were able to send in our application. What's what's a spiritual cleanse? (laughs) A spiritual cleanse is when you go through the whole house and remove anything sinful that causes anyone in the family to sin. So, like, we lost, uh, we did keep Sound of Music, but we had to cut the part of the tape that has Liesl, uh singing 16 going on 17, because that was, mm. that was simple. That was premarital like kissing. one of the best parts of the show. That, like, how do you have Sound of Music without 16 going on 17? She's just, nope. then she's just like, we're friends with a Nazi for some reason. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, like, that made sense, because we were kind of into Nazis, you know, See, really? yeah, it, it all, yeah, it all kind of, it yeah. all kind of tracks. I mean, the, the premise of like ATI and Quiverful and everything. I mean, I don't know if they've said this outright, but everybody knows that the whole plan is basically to take over the world with all these believers and keep having kids and the world to keep having abortions and eventually they'll be the majority. So yeah, they, the two hundred year plan, like, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, they were like, well, the Nazis had some good ideas. So, Liesl mm-hmm. hanging out with the Nazi wasn't weird. Uh, so, this is the first that I'm hearing about this. This is way weirder than I thought it was going to be. But <laughs> Welcome yeah. to talking to me. <laughs> I've well, been friends Heather- with Sadie for, like, two years, so. So, Heather, you, you see, so you got into this, basically. Your mom was homeschooling you, and then she got yeah. you guys into this whole ATI thing. So you... So I, I read in your book, they sent you to the ATI... Uh, uh, what was it, this place that they sent you to? The training center. Yeah, the, the training center. Yeah, for Character First. It wasn't so much they sent me. I'll take responsibility for this one. I wanted to go there so bad. That was, like, my life goal. I wanted to go there. I wanted to get on the Children's Institute traveling team I went out there basically to get discovered by ATI's talent scouts and uh, they did not like me. Um, right. Cause well, cause you were, you know, you would hear these people come around and they would tell these stories or these parables 
Yeah. And you and you really connected with that. I wanted to be that person so bad. I wanted to be the storyteller. My poor sister, like every time my mother took a shower, I would sit my sister on the couch and she would have to listen to me practice and tell these stories and do the audience participation thing. And she probably hated that. But I went out there to the training center so that they would they said that's the best way to get discovered. So I went and my parents, you know, let me. And that's I'm when sure it, was a great uh, honor it went for downhill. That. Eh, I mean, they were like, are you sure? Okay. Yeah, that's exactly the experience that I had going to Hiles Anderson. Um, my parents were like, they, they're not trying to talk me out of it, but they mm-hmm. were definitely trying to make sure that that was my best spiritual discernment. Um, and I was determined to go. Yeah, like, God was calling me to do that. That's what I was going to do. You know, nope, God told me I was going to go. So what did what did God calling you feel like for you? Um, huh. I would say basically, like, just that I couldn't get the idea that I needed to do this out of my head. Did you ever have Mm -hmm. this is going to be a weird question that I feel like I could not ask anybody else. Um, So I'm just going to lay it all out there and ask you on air. (laughs) Um, Did you ever feel a physical sensation associated with what you perceived to be God's call? Like I felt a physical pain in my chest, like in my heart area, kind of like heartburn, (laughs) which I am now so familiar with because I I just had a baby um, and had heartburn my entire pregnancy from before I found out I was pregnant until in the delivery room. You've been eating cheeseburger soup, Sadie. That's what happened. <laughs> uh, it wasn't God calling you. But I'm, just... I'm interested to know, like, other people who have felt like that God was calling them to do something. Was there ever a, a sensation that was not in your mind, like a sensation in your body about that? Yeah. And except it wasn't heartburn, but I would just get completely overwhelmed and I would faint. And they thought that, like, I was getting slain in the spirit. And I was like, no, I'm just so overwhelmed. Like, my brain just shuts off and I would just faint. And eventually it got so bad that um it turned into seizures and they're like we don't speak in tongues and do that like you know casting out thing but i was like no no, this is a medical thing and thankfully my parents got me medical treatment and they were like no we're we're not gonna do any of this voodoo stuff we're actually gonna go to the hospital but i i didn't feel pain i just would turn off and so Mm -hmm. i spent a lot of time sitting but that happened at that happened at um, pastor school a couple times. I've passed out at pastor school. Yeah. Like, probably di- probably just, different reasons, but... Well, um, yeah, you were probably super overworked and sleep deprived. But I would just sit there. I get so overwhelmed and like so torn between, you know, this life that I was supposed to have. And, you know, I was supposed to marry a missionary and this was all I was supposed to do. But I didn't want any of that. And I felt like I was being like, pulled into both worlds and my brain just couldn't handle it i always assumed that the feeling number one torn is such a great word to describe that because it feels like your heart is being ripped in half like a piece of paper yeah but also i always assumed that the feeling of i feel like i should do this but i don't want to i always assumed that the i don't want to was confirmation that that was indeed god's will for my life like i had this idea that yeah, the thing that you want to do is never actually God's will. No, that's the desire of the flesh. The fact that the very fact that you don't want to do it is confirmation that God is calling you to do it. Right. So that's I, really twisted. 
isn't it? That's- yeah, and Gabi, if you can put yourself in these shoes, like you're feeling these feelings, like you're hearing this as an adult, like you're an adult man and you're hearing this and you're going, oh, that's really, really twisted. But can you imagine being 13 or 14? And these are the questions that you're wrestling with. Right, and you're having these feelings and all your, your parents are telling you, well, no, you're wrong for wanting something different. You're wrong for, like, I, 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 can, I can understand that feeling. I can understand yeah. somebody telling you that something that you want is wrong and you shouldn't want it. And I will, but, I will say it wasn't so much my parents as it was ATI and our church and Hiles Anderson and all that. My parents just kind of let it happen. So you go to this ATI training center and I guess, so you're seen as a bit of a rebel. You're trying to suss out who else might be a little bit of a rebel as well while you're there. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, it wasn't like my mission, but it's funny in the basic seminar, Bill Gothard says, if there's two rebels in a room, they will find each other. And then I found the other rebel and I was like, Oh, I hate when Bill is right. (laughs) (laughs) So mad. Like, well, you know, broken clock kind of thing you know that i would like to commend you on the vulnerability of this book because <laughs> there is one chapter in which you freely admit to being attracted to a boy who wore zip-off cargo pants oh i didn't even send you the chapter on satan's doorbell oh no is satan's doorbell what i think it is it sure is <laughs> you ring it it leads to your sin cave <laughs> <laughs> Why do we not have a video podcast that would pay so much money to see Bobby's face right now? <laughs> I'm going to die. I told my father he has to skip that chapter. Oh, see, my that, God. That seems smart. Yeah. He goes, Yikes. well, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. I was like, I'm not going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> I wrote it. So you admit to a lot of things in this book. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think that, you know, I, it was very interesting. So you meet up with this guy who's this rebellious guy who, you know, they they give him, a, a, what, a heart check. Is is that what that is? He didn't get for- heart checks. I got heart checks. He didn't get heart checks. He just had to, like, rake the leaves or you something. You got a heart check for shaking his hand. I got a heart check for freaking everything. I got a heart check for shaking his hand when we were supposed to in etiquette class because – None of us knew how to socialize with actual other humans. So they were like, all right, you're going to go into public schools and teach. So you have to know how to interact with people. So they had us do etiquette classes. Then we were supposed to do one where we were dining with someone. And it was supposed to be somebody of the opposite sex, which they set us up for failure. Like they set us up for this. So Cargo Pants and I said, how old are you at this time? 17. 17. Oh, man. So the juices are flowing. You're like. You you just you can't get enough of this sweet sweet cargo pants boy, <laughs> of yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like you read chapter eight with the juices are flowing. <laughs> oh wow! I was just gonna say that you you meet up with him later on like a, a floor where you're not supposed to be, and you guys hug. We did. Like, you got like hug. Like you know? not even a side hug. Yeah. Not even a side hug. We full on hugged. And I was so sad he was leaving. And he's like, I'm going back to my normal world. And I was like, don't leave me, please. And we would have kissed each other. But then somebody opened the door on the other floor. And we were like, bye. That's but heartbreaking. He and I, did, I know. That would have been my first kiss. And it would have been so rebellious and great. Because I had the like illicit, almost on cult owned property 
first kiss that was not supposed to be. <gasps> like, I have that story, and I wish that you did, too. I really wish that I did. Which, it's a weird thing to say, like, oh, I'm married or whatever, but my husband knows. It's like, okay. Well, you, I feel like... Um, it was before. Well, like, <clears throat> do, you know, a lot of people you feel like they would have wanted, like, a lot of people feel like they had a great experience the first time they had sex. A lot of people feel like they had a not great experience and that it should have been earlier or later or whatever. Yeah. But I feel like yeah. the first kiss is like, so it's so romanticized in movies as like, it can be this, this, it, it's not necessarily, it, it's not the same as the first time you have sex in popular culture. No, Your first kiss not. is a different thing. It's supposed to be like the sweet, innocent uh, rite of passage and it's not as loaded as actually losing your virginity. And yeah. I feel so I personally I feel like my first kiss was stolen from me worse by the cult. Like if I could get one of those two experiences back, I would choose first kiss. Oh yeah. That was a way bigger deal than sex. Sex was just like okay, did the light in my eyes go out? Because that's what Bill Gothard said he was going to do. Like, I jumped off and went to look in the mirror to see if my eyes looked different. Wait, he said what? <laughs> that you can tell um, if a, a girl is a virgin because she has the, the light in her eyes, like this innocence and this joy. And once she um, gives in to worldly temptations, then she doesn't have the joy of the Lord in her eyes anymore. So, like, as soon as I was done, I was like, I gotta look in the mirror. Let me look at my eyes. And my eyes look the same. I was like, what the I was I was told the same thing. I think yeah. you got like the you know those black contact lenses people put in. You're just yeah. gonna walk into the like it's just gonna like, be like that. Am I gonna look like I have jaundice? Like what's gonna happen? And nothing. Honestly, changed. that'd be kind of metal. Yeah. You know, the first kiss thing was so it wasn't at the training center. It was a year later, and I was so conflicted because at Hiles Anderson they had me sign this contract that I wouldn't kiss anybody or do you know anything i didn't sign the hug one but i was so conflicted because i signed this contract and i would break this contract so i was more upset about that i i once signed a contract that i would never drink alcohol didn't pan out <laughs> you, you know what i've what i've realized that has really what? helped me and i don't know if this will be helpful to you or not but i've realized that um children under 18 can't sign contracts Oh, because have you ever thought about like how abusive that is? Like the uh, I yeah. know that huh. before that before age eighteen, I had signed uh, at least one purity contract, probably two. Oh yeah, and I had signed a contract that I would never drink alcohol, and then I had also signed a contract that I would go on a two year mission for First Baptist Church of Hammond as a as a um, one of their missions teams missionaries. And I know I signed that one when I was thirteen or fourteen. Wow. At pastor school. See, that makes like fifteen-year-old me super jealous of you. Like, well, oh, but I doesn't it like sign on for a two-year mission trip? But then, like, that would have been like the year you quit going to pastor school. That was pastor school two thousand seven. Could have been two thousand six yeah. or two thousand eight. I'm pretty sure it was two thousand seven. Yeah. So that would that, that would have been, been right really... around the time I stopped. I think I I think the last time I went out was oh six or oh seven. If you were there in oh six, I was there. By the way. Oh. <gasps> So we had them in the same room. So when they like kept singing the uh, I Stand Redeemed or uh, no, Here Am I. Here Am that's I. The, that's the sing. one where I signed the contract, Heather. I was on the stage. Yes. 
Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah, I was wearing like a green. So I, I can tell you exactly what I was wearing. I was wearing a green old lady outfit from Christopher and Banks, the Fundy's favorite store for teenage uh-huh. girls. I, uh, I was wearing like a green short sleeved faux turtleneck knit sweater and a long flowy green pattern skirt. That's so funny. Yeah, so when they kept song, singing Here Am I for like, it was stuck yeah. in my head the other day. Literally the other day, I'm trying to make my fucking kid breakfast. And all I can hear is little children aren't falling into a burning hell. How is that the words to that song? It, those I are the words to that song. It was playing what? in my head over and over again, literally yesterday while I was trying to make Chuck breakfast. Little children are falling into a burning hell. Little children are falling into a burning hell. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Heather, I was I was there at that pastor school. I was on the stage during That's that. So Hiramai. funny. I was sitting in my seat weeping because my father wouldn't let me go up for the altar call to commit my life to missions. My dad tried to not let me go up for my for the altar call, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I yeah. told him no and did it anyway. So you decided you went to Hiles Anderson. It was your decision. So I didn't actually go, um, but it was my parents didn't want me to. They didn't want me to go to college. And I insisted, you know, no, this is God's will for my life. I have to do this. I went above my father and I went to the pastor directly to see if he could convince my father to let me go. That's where that pastor had gone to school. So I thought he could have some pull. And I was all about it. And my family, like the normal ones, looking at the college brochure are going, this is not good. What, what are you doing? I was like, well, I want to go to college and, you know, marry a missionary. I, I want to marry a preacher, but I figured if I married a missionary, then I could study geography. So I went with that one. And then I applied and got in because that's not hard they don't care if you're smart I've processed applications for 12 year olds yeah it's yeah. not hard yeah like you, they don't ask for any transcripts or anything they're just like okay are you a virgin do you want to go be a missionary cool <laughs> <laughs> that's only qualifications and man I, I could not get into that school then <laughs> because you don't want to be a missionary be a missionary yeah <laughs> that's why Yeah, so, and I was about to, I was about to go, and I said, um, they, they called to see, you know, if I had, like, my works scholarship or whatever set up, and I said, yeah, I'm going to apply to the ambulance station kind of next door, it was really close, and work as an EMT there, and they said, no, you're not, because that's not one of our approved female jobs, so mm-hmm. they sent me a list of the jobs that I could do, it could be a telemarketer, and I could yep. do, like, housekeeping and secretarial work, I said, uh, no, I'm already an EMT, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, and they said no, because it's against the policy to wear pants, so they wouldn't let me, and then I was really super conflicted about that because I loved being an EMT. And my then friend uh, from the same church, we've since like friend broken up. She was supposed to go to Hiles Anderson also, and we were going to be roommates. And I was so afraid to tell her that I wasn't going to go. But I remember like we were sitting across the church from each other on a Wednesday night and she, she could see me and I was crying and she looked and she's like, we could, have that conversation with our eyes she's like what did you do and i'm like shaking my head like i'm not going and she's like i'm gonna kill you (laughs) so she also dropped out which i got blamed for uh her downfall into her life of sin because i dropped out causing her to drop out but that's their words her life of sin not mine 
Yes. So <laughs> this this decision to so you became an EMT because you spent so much time in the hospital because uh, with my grandma. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, with your grandma. So I think that's a very interesting, also like a sweet story. And also in this book, you describe watching this man preach, this guy, Mickey Bonner. Yep. And he's preaching and he's preaching and he's preaching and then drops dead. Yep. And he, did he die? Yeah, he died right then on the stage. And of, it of just. What? I guess he had a heart, heart attack. attack? Yeah, that was my first Knoxville room? conference. I was like, oh, this is intense. I was in the dorms, though, watching it on the broadcast TV. And then um, a bunch of the alert guys went up and started to do CPR. And I think one of the one of the girls on TikTok, Lindsay, um, I think she was like backstage working on stuff when he died. Uh, she's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I, and I was so frustrated being like, well, I mean, I'm nine. I can't do anything. But. I thought, well, I want to be the one who goes and helps instead of the people in the audience singing Amazing Grace, which isn't helpful. So I wanted to be an EMT. And that being an EMT turned out to be your path out. It did, because I I dropped out of Bible college. I dropped out of Hiles Anderson. I rescinded my application, I think, a month before I was supposed to leave. And people kept calling me. And uh, I don't know. I mean... I think it got to the point where the hookers started calling and telling me how. Wait, who? What? <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, family. who's going to explain it? There's a family in Hiles Anderson First Baptist Church. Their last name is Hooker, and they have a bunch of daughters. Six. And they, yeah. They have six daughters. One of them married Jack Scott's son. Yeah. So they're like high up. They are. So they're very they're, high up. And everybody just ignores the fact that they're the hookers. Yeah. People will like, will like, oh, hey, here come the hooker girls. And nobody like acknowledges it. Nobody bats an eye. And you know who's worldly because they laugh at that? Yep. Oh, yeah. interesting. And Gavi, these are the, you remember me mentioning the God, the God, God honoring sex playlist. Yes. They happen to also be the people who created the God honoring sex playlist. Wait, but so is it on Hooker's Spotify? Hooker's got to branch out, man. No, there's a C- it's a CD. I've been trying to find it on eBay. Okay, yeah, because so in that episode, I think that we talked about, because it's like whale sounds or something, you know, yep. to, or like. But, uh, but no, if so, so what Heather is saying, though, like if people high up on staff are calling, then so they will really, really, if you're supposed to go to Hiles Anderson and then you say you're not coming, they will do anything to try to get you there because in their minds, oh, the devil is fighting you and you're going to be a powerful warrior for God. So we have yep. to try to save this person and get them to Hiles yep. Anderson. Which it's basically like what Sadie was saying, where if it's the thing that you want to do, if it's a desire of the flesh, then that's how you should have the confirmation that what you don't want to do is the thing that God wants you to do. So because I wanted to go be an EMT instead of go to Bible college, that was a desire of the flesh. And that meant that God was definitely calling me to go to Bible college. And they were real mad that my, the girl who was supposed to be my roommate dropped out because of me. So I was causing others to sin and lose their purpose in life by my selfish actions. Wow. It's yeah. so That's... selfish to like, want to put your life on the line to save other people. Yeah. So I dropped That's out of so that and wild. I, went, Super I went to paramedic school instead. So you go to paramedic school. And yeah. there's this there's this guy Brandon here mm. who's 
this is this is a move um sadie i'm wondering if you should if you think i should try this move um if you think i'd have good results with it uh is that so he is brandon brandon's into you but yeah. the only way that he's trying to hit on you he writes down the lyrics to i don't want to miss a thing by aerosmith which mm-hmm. is a great song i didn't um, know until now that it was by aerosmith <laughs> well it's from the movie armageddon <laughs> Which I didn't see because it wasn't based on biblical principles. It was spaceships. I had rapture anxiety anyway. I wasn't going to watch yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so he writes down the lyrics to I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith and puts them in your pocket and you're mm-hmm. like, man. Yeah, I was like, guy. wow, he can write? This is a great, like, oh man, he wrote this for me. <laughs> I am pretty oh, sure that's happened to me. Not the same song, but I'm I'm pretty sure somebody's done that to me with song lyrics. Do you think I yeah. should try? Like, would that work? Does it? Does that work? I mean, I mean, I think it's I, sweet. Yeah, I still like think that my husband is hilarious when he. Well, he, I mean, he is hilarious, but when he quotes something, I like give him credit for. It. He's like, no, it's from a thing. <laughs> We are the oh, same so person. Funny. We are we are the same person and by the transitive property our husbands might be the same person too. Yeah. I'm getting I'm starting it, to get concerned about this. It bothers my mother so much because he's my husband's a tattooed atheist and he's like the nicest guy she's ever met and she's like how can the nicest guy I've ever met be an atheist? This is it breaks her brain. Your mom is really fun on your TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, she's so she's fun. <laughs> I want to get to something that that has to do with the EMT thing because I think this is maybe maybe the biggest thing I identified with in your book. You talked about craving trauma. Mhm. Can you can you give the, give our listeners the rundown on that and we can discuss it a little bit? So, um I got that from the book uh The Body Keeps the Score. And I go into that a little bit in the chapter where um, my therapist was telling me how there was, you know, this study on mice. And if they're raised in a caring, loving environment, like, and then they're under stress, they'll return back to that environment. But if they're raised in a hostile kind of thing, then if anything happens, they'll return back to the hostile environment, even though they have a comfortable environment available, because that's what they know. And that's their default. And that's home to them. So you're more comfortable in crisis than comfort. And I feel like that's how it is being a medic. Like I am so comfortable when it's everybody else's worst day and I'm just there fine because I'm used to, or like we idolize persecution and, you know, trials and tribulations. So why would I not want that? So that's what my brain knows as fabulous you know this is where i should be yeah it's been programmed into you that when everything is going wrong that's when god is with you that's when god is close to you that's confirmation that you are doing the right thing so you get all those like feel good brain chemicals yeah and then when you're in a situation where everything is a blessing yeah and, and that gives you probably chemically like a shot of i don't even know dopamine or whatever dopamine serotonin yeah yeah is that right okay yeah yeah the only two things that make me happy dopamine and serotonin that's cute i want that on a (laughs) t-shirt so would you relate this to um i think you something that you touched on several times through the book um is that 
you talk about something which I would characterize as like a masochistic desire felt by many of these Christian fundamentalists to feel as if God is testing them. Yeah. Is, is that how you would describe it? Kind of. I mean, I don't feel like I like I don't want people to suffer so that I can feel closer to God. I just want to happen to be there if it is happening. Interesting. Okay. Like I don't I don't want to I don't want people to call 911, but if they do, I want to go. I feel like I have the same tendency, but for <clears throat> For you, I think the IBLP or the ATI more focuses on like persecution and violence, where the IFB focuses a little bit harder on being really, really busy or being overworked or overstressed. Mm -hmm. And I do. So you cope with that by continuing your work as an EMT and get to help people in the process. I cope with that by keeping myself super busy and hopefully I get to help people in the process, too. I think it's yes. interesting how we have the same, like the same trauma trigger, and it's mm -hmm. expressed itself through two different but really complementary coping mechanisms. And so this is off topic, but it's funny you said the trauma trigger thing because if you watch the Dr. Oz interview, um, I got really annoyed when he said, "Okay, now be honest." This, and I was like, "I've been honest <laughs> the whole time." <laughs> I can't believe they left that in. What did he? What did he say? I didn't watch the interview because Sadie so told he me goes it was like, boring. So he goes it, like, it was. "That's fair." <laughs> I mean, you you were great. I just feel like I'm a better interviewer than Doctor Oz. Is all I'm saying. Um, well, it was like the third person he'd interviewed that day. Is just like whatever. Who we got? Cult survivor. Okay, cool. So Doctor Oz was like. Um, now, be honest. What's your message for Anna? Yeah, it wasn't even a like thing that would be difficult to be honest on. And Heather goes like, um, I've been honest the whole time. <laughs> because I'm so used to people accusing me of sinning and accusing me of lying and all this. I was like, hey, uh-uh. <laughs> and <laughs> I didn't realize that My I reputation that. will not be besmirched. Yeah, stop accusing me of sinning. I wasn't. And that just, so that really did it for you. It oh, did. So, yeah, I got wow. super annoyed. That was absolutely triggering. Like I watched the beginning segment where they showed me all about Josh and everything. And I was like, yeah, you know, like, all right, incest, molestation. Like this is, I mean, not to make light of it, but like in Fundy world, like that's old news. Slow and, Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Just, okay. That's what happens. That's it, like the rest of the world is finally catching on. But when he called me out for honesty, I'm like, don't insult my character. Like, oh, I'm so annoyed with that. I can't believe they left that in. But things like that will trigger me more so than like seeing a decapitation. So we're going to take a, a quick break right now and then we're going to go take up the offering and then we're going to come back. Uh, what are we going to talk about when we come back? Let's when we when we come back, let's talk about the book itself, the title and why you chose it. Uh, why you chose to write a book. We'll kind of get into why people should be pre-ordering your book right this minute and why they should be excited about getting it. That sounds really good. All right. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Sadie. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode one, where we start the whole story. You might also want to check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism. If you like the show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. (laughs) The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really do appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. We are back from our break. Uh, so I want to get into something. Uh, if I may, I'd like to read a quote from your book and ask you about it a little bit. This is from the intro. This is from like you open up the book. This is right at the beginning. Uh, okay. So we're not spoiling anything for anybody who wants to read it. Um, and so this is a quote from you. You said, the most frightening thing about abuse in homeschooling households is that most of the parents have no idea that what they are doing is abusive. A common thread I found among parents of us Xers is that they were trying so hard to protect us from the trauma of their childhood, they didn't see that they were robbing us of ours. I found those words particularly insightful. Yeah, they didn't know that it was abuse. That's like that's why I'm not mad at my mother for it. Yes, she was a perpetrator, but she was also a complete victim of brainwashing because they, ATI, told all the parents, like, you have to hit your children, you have to blanket train, even though she didn't blanket train, like you have to make them fast, you have to lock them up and take all this away from them and not educate them. They're being fed all these lies. And they're also being abused and brainwashed. And they became, I also called my mother um, a mandated abuser, because basically they told her, like, you have to obey your authority. The authority says, hit your kids and do this and that to your kids. And it was like, what choice did they have? Wow. If I'm understanding it correctly, that's where the title of your book comes from. Yes, because they thought that this was how you show love. And it was the opposite of how my mother grew up, you know, and she didn't get beat. My uncle got beat, but um, my mom got sexually assaulted a lot uh, by like all the family members. Um, so like this, what that wasn't happening. So she thought, okay, well, since it's not this trauma, this must be how you show love because I don't know how to do that. And this is how they're telling me to show love. So I guess this is what we do. And so are they like parading out all of these, look at how like wholesome and beautiful this family is. And they're all singing together. And you're like, I want that. Well, how'd they do it? Right. And they did it by blanket training and by having strict, you know, rules and modesty standards. And I mean, not that modesty standards are abuse, but, you know, like they have they control everything. (laughs) Right. They can. But they control everything, everything in your life. And they say, okay, well, if you hit your kids and you, you know, chastise them and do this and that, then 
you'll have this, this happy life with happy children who respect you and who want to serve God. Of course, that's what you're seeing. You're not seeing a lot of the stuff that's behind the scenes where there's, you know, the, there's the, the molestation, there's the, you know, there's the, all of the strife and all of like the, the emotional trauma that comes with that. You're well, just seeing the you shell. You don't know about the emotional trauma because you can't talk about it because depression is a sin. Like that's why in the spiritual cleanse, you have to get rid of all your Winnie the Pooh tapes because Eeyore uh, normalizes depression. Oh so, no. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Oh, what I was what I was going to say is that I think we have very much the same perspective on our parents. Yes, yeah, like I, I, people... I'm mad at them for doing it, but I'm not because they just tried to do the right thing, and that's what they were told was the right thing. So, do you find that a lot of people end up like you've described your parents uh, getting into this basically as like a uh, overcorrection? Would would you say that that's kind of a a way that a lot of people get sucked into this? Absolutely. Because, um, and I, I've heard, I don't know, like as a solid fact, but ATI has less than 1% second generation families. So most of the people Mm. are coming in brand new, like, um, They've had worldly lives and they have these fabulous testimonies of how they were saved from this sinful life. And very few of them are there because they were raised this way and stayed that way. They're there because they're looking for something completely different. So they're recruiting more people than they're raising kids in the in the system. But they're having all of these kids. So does that mean that all of the kids are basically getting out and being like, I, I got out of this. I escaped this. Or what's happening with all those kids? Or is there just some, so many people that they're recruiting? Some stay. Like, I know I know people who have stayed and like it and think that I'm crazy and bitter. Most of the people I talk to have gotten out because that's kind of my niche. I think what's, what's sometimes ignored is the people who get out and don't get that far out. Mm-hmm. Because for every person like me and Heather who gets out and becomes a cursing wine mom... There are probably several people who get out and become conservative Baptists, like Southern Baptist Convention Baptists. There are people who get out and become kind of, you know, marginally Christian, but a religious and, you know, they wear jeans and go to movies, but they they never speak out about what they went through. That's pretty much my sister. Like she's still Sunday school teacher, Baptist, Mm -hmm. but, you know, will wear shorts and tank tops and you know go to movies and do things like that but she's still conservative yeah there's so many people that adopted the the trappings of outside Mm -hmm. life all of the things that we were not supposed to do but they don't they're they're too and i'm not blaming these people they're too traumatized Mm -hmm. uh, or they're too educationally neglected to go back in I kind of Heather. I kind of see like what you and I have done. It's like it's like running out of a burning building. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do deconstruction and really think through your your experiences and your faith and try to come to conclusions about all of this, it's kind of like going back into the burning building for a little while. It is, and it's exhausting. And and I don't blame anybody for not wanting to. I really don't. No, it's so much easier to stay and have all your choices made for you and everything is just black and white and everything is, this is the way it is. You don't have to make any decisions. You know all the answers to everything and you don't have to decide how you feel about anything. 
and you don't have to examine any of your beliefs. And that's really uncomfortable to do. And, you know, to find out that everything you've been told is a lie and that dinosaurs didn't exist at the same time as humans. And it feels like just a betrayal of your entire childhood. And that's a lot to process. And it's also, you know, if you can't stay it's also easier just to walk away and kind of leave it all behind and never really think about it again. Right. So here's a question that I've got for you regarding this topic is, so you, so being an EMT, that was sort of your way out. So how long after really getting out of this, did you start the deconstruction process? Was, was it immediate where you're just like, okay, I'm out. I need to figure out what actually happened here. Or did it take several years? It took several years and it's still happening. Like, That's a common theme I think I've heard from so many people who, who have the same experiences that they'll be out for three, four, five, six years and then they'll... You have to rest because you've been bombarded your entire life with all of these, all of this like mental and psychological abuse, but also in my case, overworked your entire life and you need to physically and mentally rest. I, I see that rest period coming up a lot. Sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt, interrupt no, Heather's answer. I just thought that was important. It, it was. And it's, but it's an ongoing thing because it's not like you can say, okay, here's a list of all the things that I believed and here's everything that I thought and all these little thoughts that are hidden in my head, what's true and what's not. You can't like go through and take an inventory. They just pop up and you never know when they're going to pop up. And you go, wait a minute, that was that? Okay. It's like just constant surprise parties of deconstruction. It's exhausting. <laughs> I love that description because it's so terribly accurate. Constant <laughs> surprise parties of deconstruction. It is. Like, you don't like, know when it's going to hit you. You yeah, don't. I mean, like, like, yeah, like, that, like, like TikTok, you know, with like telling, I was just making a thing saying, I learned that dinosaurs and humans didn't exist. And like in real time, my husband was like, what? Like that video was real time happening. And I go, yeah, no, I didn't know that. What do you mean you didn't know that? And just, okay, I I didn't remember that I thought this until it came up. Speaking of TikTok, one of my favorite videos that you did was where you went through your house and applied a biblical analogy (laughs) to every object. Yeah. We had a lot of fun going back and forth on that one. And I think that that's another, that was such a, a brilliant illustration of why deconstruction is so hard. Gavi, I don't know if you've seen that particular TikTok. I know you don't spend a lot of time on it like I do. I am not on TikTok at all because... It's a good I, life choice. I am a <laughs> but, 28-year-old man. And if you're a 28-year-old man on TikTok, that is absolutely a red flag. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Dave Hiles probably has a TikTok, allegedly. Yeah. yeah. I literally only went on it because I'm self-publishing and needed to self-promote. So I said, all right, well, I'll do this and so it was out of necessity it wasn't just like ooh, i downloaded this app to see what my kids are looking at and you're just like oh this is fun no i hate it i don't watch videos you don't watch that's so (laughs) interesting are you sure you're allowed to say that publicly (laughs) i watch videos that people send me okay i go on i watch your videos i watch our tradish videos obviously yeah um i have a tiktok that is it, it is all cult people and that's pretty much all it is in mm-hmm. Bachelor, obviously. But uh, th- this video that you did, you went around and it was like you picked probably a dozen random objects from your house and all of mm-hmm. them immediately brought a scriptural lesson to mind based on what had been ingrained in you. 
because anything can be an object lesson. There's only so many lessons in the Bible and you've got to fill, you know, all these sermons and lifetimes three times a week. So, I mean, not that I was a pastor because, you know, I have a prohibitive vagina, but if like you just learn how to do it. Can our episode title be Prohibited Vagina? <laughs> prohibitive Vagina? Yes. Yeah, that would mm. that would be great. But <clears throat> but that's that was that was a real light bulb moment for me not to bring up another <laughs> object lesson. Because wait, wait, so what is an object <laughs> lesson? Will you explain this to me? I, I okay, do not so know I'm, what this is. So I'm is. sitting here so. in my closet recording this episode and I've got my, my little phone adapter thing for my headphones in front of me because I'm using them on my laptop, but I usually use them on my iPhone, which doesn't have a, a port for the headphones. It's got the lightning charger thing. And it, the, this adapter makes me think about how the Holy Spirit adapts the Bible for our lives because we can read the Bible with our eyes, but it can't be adapted to our heart without the Holy Spirit's help. That's a good um, one. Yeah. yeah. Also, so so um, I'm looking at a cup of coffee and it's mostly empty uh, because I don't drink coffee out of a coffee pot like Heather does because I'm just not that cool. And uh, I'm I'm realizing that, you know, this cup being empty is a representation of the, of the biblical phrase, my cup runneth over. If I was, you know, uh, God's... I did that, but not with a coffee cup. God's God's blessings are, are, you know, overflowing in my life, even though my cup isn't overflowing with coffee. And, you know, I've got the baby monitor sitting next to me, and the, the baby monitor reminds me of how God's voice can be heard in our lives, even when we're far away from God. And how God is always watching you, even though you can't see God. He's always there. He's always present in your life. <laughs> so this is not to. They make little <laughs> lessons out of every they, object, anything. every experience, uh-huh. constantly. And I and did it, it with a whisk. I did it into like the fabric of your life. Yeah, like anything. Anything can be a reminder of God. And so people would like shout out an object and be like, "Can you make it from this?" And somebody asked me to make it from a whisk. So I did because I had a recipe that called for a, a whole egg and an egg white. And I made the joke that, oh, they're unequally yoked. But the whisk could be like the wife uh, winning over her husband by her conversation and oh blending them together. And then now they're equally yoked. They're unequally yoked. <laughs> they were. I was like, I can't make this. They're unequally yoked. You are one of the simple. funniest people I know. You really are. <laughs> you need to make better friends. <laughs> Here's a question. Can we, uh, how about this? How about I pick an object that's sitting in front of me and you get to, to make an object lesson out of it, an object. Oh, real-time lesson. object lesson. Okay, this is, real-time like, the, this is like the worst game show ever. Okay, <laughs> That's here we every go. episode. I have in front of me, you know what this is? So no. I have a... a I have some Expo whiteboard spray, which is the spray that you spray on a whiteboard when you want that to erase it. That is way too easy. Mm-hmm. That's so easy. That's you go just first, the Holy Spirit cleansing you, and it's send to you know you can have all these marks on your heart. They could be from all the temptations of the world. There is sinful bitterness and how the world has hurt you. And if you invite God into your life, the Holy Spirit and that spray bottle will just cleanse it all away. See, I'm going to go with the spray bottle. It's actually, it's the blood of Jesus because you can wipe your sins Mm. away with a paper towel dry and you think that nobody can see your sins and you think that your good works will cover your sins and you can get into heaven. But actually you need the blood of Jesus to make you actually clean enough to go into heaven. 
That's a, okay. that's a better one. That was better. Those were both really no, good. Both, how work. About, both totally work. How about this one? Okay, I have a coaster, uh, which is too uh, easy. No, yeah. it, it, here's here's the thing though. It's not just any coaster. It's a coaster with the album cover of the Jimi Hendrix Experience. Are you experienced on it? So it's a Jimi Hendrix coaster sitting on my desk. Okay, in front so of me. I'm gonna I'm gonna go okay. off. Do you want to go first or should I go first? Um, I I feel like yours is gonna be better. So let me go first. <laughs> so I feel like the purpose of the coaster is to protect the table from the moisture and the things that could ruin it and the outside influences. So the coaster is like the, the interjection between uh, the world and you, the table, but yeah, the coaster is your standards. Yep. And no, you might I had have the same st- thing. Yeah. Yeah. And ugh, the Jimi Hendrix thing, it's like that one, that one is, is tougher because that's See, a I sin would... and you need to like not allow that to absorb in your life. Maybe yeah, that's I why it's on the, the, the maybe that's why it's not on the table side of the coaster. It's yeah, on the drink side. It's on, it's on the okay. drink side because the yeah, world I was going to go with like your sinful, and, your sinful experiences can you know if you've turned those over to God, then they can remind you of the consequences of if you get sin in your life. You know, moisture from the cup on your desk is sin right. in your life. So your and experiences you can remind you of the yourself, consequences. So you have a shield. Yeah. Yes. So now you've built a sin shield. Yes. Okay, so I have one more, uh, which is the last one we're going to do. We'll see who has the best one of this one. Is that this is like, you know, like a little cross stitch. You know, it, it has a quote on it. And the quote is from a Kanye West song. And the, oh the, the quote is, uh, if I may read this, it says, I don't need your bitch. I'm on my own dick. See, Jack Hiles oh. had a cross stitch analogy. I don't know yeah. what he would think of the quote. Yeah, he, he said that his... um. His mother would do cross-stitch and embroidery and sit from his position on the floor by her knee. It looks like a mess, but when she turned it over, it was beautiful. And, and God works like that because your life may look like a mess from the from underneath, from on earth. But when you get to heaven, you'll see how beautiful your life was. With the quote, you could just go with their whole idea of patriarchy. And, you know, you don't need oh. a woman to, to tell you anything. Like, I'm a man and I'm complete. You know what? No, you win that one. That's better. That's more <laughs> That's relevant. That's great. Yeah. Wow. yeah, but it's that's a fun like skill. it's fun, but it's a it's a really good example of why people who have left cults can be triggered by anything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us have like, you know, big a lot of us will just melt down if a man, especially an authority figure man yells at us for obvious yeah. reasons. Like, of course, that's extremely upsetting and disturbing to anybody who's been in our position. It but took a lot of years. But you have, like, yeah. Sorry, like when um, like I would hang out at my husband's apartment, like before we were married, whatever. And it took years for me not to flinch if he put his hand up, like to get something out of a cabinet or reach somewhere like I years. Wow. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not going to hit you. I'm not I'm not going to do that. And I was like, I know I know that you're not. But like I was used to that. We have these big triggers, but there are also all these micro triggers and I think the all these small things can really add up. You know, if you are seeing every object like an object lesson, if you are, have had that ingrained into you, you get through your day and you've been triggered a hundred many times throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And it's death by a thousand cuts. And you're just worn out. Yeah. And then well, if and one then- big trigger happens to happen, like, you know, something 
as innocent as your husband reaching into a cabinet to get something, Mm -hmm. you can completely melt down into a puddle on the floor and literally and yeah and and have no way of explaining to that person like no i know you're not going to hit me you are not an upsetting person but my entire day has been upsetting yeah and it actually it also took years for me to stop hitting him like because that was just like everybody just hit like when you did something wrong or offensive you just hit and he was the first one who was like stop that And what would you do? Just like sock him on the arm or yeah, just like smack his arm. And he was like, don't hit people. And that was the first time that ever occurred to me not to hit someone. I got that in kindergarten. I didn't go to kindergarten. (laughs) You were homeschooled. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was by myself and I got hit. But Ah. I mean, it didn't. So the, uh, the other day, like, um, I don't know, two weeks ago, whenever, when I had to binge read my own book to proofread it. Um, and Arch Radish helped. He read it faster than I could because I had to stop. But I'd never read it cover to cover before. And it was a lot. It was triggering for me. And by the end of the second day, I got a pizza and ate most of the pizza. And then by like midnight, my gallbladder hurt so much and I couldn't move. I was throwing up like it was terrible and then I, I couldn't do anything and my husband gave me like some pain meds and some Zofran like for nausea and stuff and like okay go to bed and in about 24 hours it was fine but then I was picking up my pile of wisdom booklets the next day and of course there's the lesson on gallstones and how you get gallstones when you're extremely bitter and how your gallbladder oh, no. is the filter oh, of no. you know god trying to filter this out of your life and i broke i'm like oh no this is a, a thorn in my side the pain in my side this is coming from god that i shouldn't publish this book and this is an actual thing and then i'm like why did you give me pain meds and so far but didn't suggest that i had a root of bitterness in my heart he's like you're fucking crazy isn't it <laughs> so, nice to have husbands in the in the medical field who can give you medical advice once in a while yeah wow. i mean husband's and a he's like technician. no no you're crazy like that's your gallbladder didn't hurt because you were bitter and because you wrote this book it hurt because you ate a whole pizza (laughs) and didn't share (laughs) but it just like seeing that it was like in this wisdom book that was on the top like god put that there like that was yeah a whole day of like oh my goodness this is definitely the spiritual world trying to get me and if i tell this to anybody they're going to say see our prayers have been answered and this is uh, you know, we wanted God to reveal himself to you and that you shouldn't publish this book. So here it was. And like, and then I threw up a whole bunch. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a deeply unpleasant experience. I'm very yeah, sorry. Like lots of oh. nightmares. Like the day and hmm. the day before I like sent the proof to publish. I'm like, I shouldn't do this because that was a sign. And like now my gallbladder is going to hurt forever. And I'm going to have to have surgery because I wrote this book. <laughs> yeah. And because I like, have to do the opposite of Josh Harris. You're conditioned to look for that, and yeah. what you're conditioned to see is what you're going to see. Yeah, and they, that was on the top, and then it's like, oh, see, I had this gallbladder attack during this process, and this is, you know, this says this is what it is, and yeah, so that was no, that's, that was that's a rough object terrifying. lesson. <laughs> and that's, oh, yeah, that's, and that's constant exactly nightmares. Like the kind of experience that people have. Um, I am unfortunately running out of time. 
Oh, I just, I want to give you a chance to promote your book and share your social media and uh, tell people where they can go pre-order. Well, you can pre-order and see my website at heathercom And on most social media, I'm backslidden harlot. Uh, that's on TikTok, Instagram, and Reddit. And then on Twitter, it's BK Slidden Harlot. So I would just like to say uh, that Heather has sent us several chapters of this book, and I have read these chapters of this book. Uh, if you like our show, uh, if you enjoy the sort of the where we laugh about the bad stuff, if you enjoy that, then and you enjoy the topic, then you would love this book. It's it's funny, but it's also you know deep and it's heartfelt and it's dark in a lot of places. I'm just going to read my review of the advanced chapters that I got because Heather really liked this review. Your review was the best. I put it on my website. Oh my God. That's such an honor. Well, my review was, this is such a roller coaster of laugh out loud, fundy inside jokes and terrible, terrible. <laughs> I mean, I would say that's accurate. That, yep. and, and, but this book made me, it made me laugh so much. I read it while Chuck was napping and I was afraid I was going to wake her up because I was falling over on the couch laughing i I cannot wait (laughs) i cannot wait to get it i've been i've been told to limit myself to a couple of chapters a day and i'm gonna do i'm gonna really try to respect that but i don't take it as a challenge i but i take everything as a challenge i know i I grew up femcoded in a cult (laughs) yeah been there so the name of the book is Lovingly Abused by Heather Heath. Uh, you can pre-order it right now. She doesn't have her release date just yet. Uh, maybe by the time uh, we put this episode out, she will. Uh, at which point, if that is the case, we will put a link in the show notes. Uh, we'll put a link to, to pre-order it in the show notes, but we'll put the release date in the show notes. We'll probably put the release date in the episode title, too, just so that you know, just from looking at it. Awesome. The ebook may be out by the time this airs. Okay. Well, we'll... we'll We'll see. We'll figure this okay. out. Uh, <laughs> well, I yeah, I had so much fun talking to you. I seriously could have talked to you for hours. Yeah, I need you to write another book so we can have you on the podcast again or something. I was so excited about this. I have I have ideas for other books. I'm going to write a prequel because because of this book, my mother has started her deconstruction process, and you see her on TikTok, and she's like real new into this, but it's it's fun to see because she was in it for her whole life you know when she was a teenager and she made the choice to get into it so i'm gonna do uh she wants to tell her story but she doesn't write so she's gonna tell it to me and i'm gonna write the prequel to my book and her story wow that sounds amazing any future books consider yourself to have a standing invitation to come on the show Um, also absolutely yeah um I am. I'm so glad that you got to do this. I'm so glad that we ran into each other on TikTok. Oh my um, goodness, I know. I was gonna say you've been a blessing to me, and then I had to like slap myself. You got me one of my nonprofits for the book, so thank you. Yeah, um, some of the some of the profits from this book will be going to Vashti Initiative, which I, I was able to make that connection, and I'm really really proud of that. Vashti yes. Initiative is uh, if you want to hear about that, you can listen to our interview with Evan Jones from Pride Month, uh, where he talks about that, uh, which is a, a nonprofit, which is a nonprofit for people who are doing cult deconstruction. Yeah, cult deconstruction and like the logistics of leaving cults. Like they have resource navigators who will help you get, you know, a driver's license and social security card and things that people in a cult might not have because people don't want to know. You- people don't want anyone to know that you exist then they might tell you you have to learn stuff and stop beating your kids 
Heather, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. It's been great. Thank you so much. Yeah, you guys have a great day. Bye bye. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.